Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. Hi everyone, this is Tara with the Mom Manual, and today I am so excited to have Jenica Parcell. She is the founder of The Slice of Sun and Fearless Infertility Coaching. Welcome to the podcast, Jenica. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with these incredible women that I know are listening. Okay. So before we started talking, I told Jenica, I feel really creepy because I know you, I feel like I'm on right now with an old friend. I have followed Jenica. I love that all the way from the beginning with Goldie and Harris, with all your IVF and your IUIs and all the things. Can you tell anyone who does not know you, which is probably nobody, but if they don't, whatever story (laughs) and how you got to doing the amazing things you're doing today. Yeah. So I started an influencer business back in 2014 and I just felt very called at that point really to do something that would allow me to be creative at home when I had kids. And for me, it'd be really hard. I thought to go from working full-time to staying home full-time. So at that point I was just blogging about good deals and recipes and things like that. But behind the scenes, I was going through an infertility experience that I really hadn't planned on sharing until we were through it. And I think that's probably a common thing where we're like, yeah, I'll totally share, but it's after I've gotten through it. And I think knowing what I know now, there's a lot of value in sharing struggles through what you're experiencing. So I went a full year without telling many people behind the scenes, my husband and I did three IUIs and two rounds of IVF and all of them had failed. The last one high ended up in a miscarriage on an airplane in China. And at that point I had just done back to back to back treatments and I didn't really know what I didn't know at the time. So I didn't know I was really wearing myself out and I would have given myself more rest looking back on it. And, And but I didn't know for anybody who doesn't know this world, what exactly for an IUI, like how long is that? Good question. Is that on your body? What does that look like? And then the IVF? Yeah. That is such a good question. So basically it's a lot of hormones and medications that they give you. So with an IUI, it stands for intrauterine insemination. So they essentially give you drugs to make you ovulate at a specific time. It's like you give yourself a shot, like 10 PM the night before and at 10 AM the next day or whatever time frame that is. And then you go in and your husband has provided a sperm sample, which is a whole awkward thing in and of itself. But <laughs> then they like put the sperm in your uterus and basically like try to try to give the sperm and the egg the best chance of uniting essentially. Okay. And they compare that with a lot of other medications as well. But those three of those failed. So, so it basically gives you like the normal percentage chance that everyone else has of getting pregnant and kind of removes the barriers of like why. So for example, if if the sperm are like swimming slowly or like, you know, you're not ovulating, they essentially force you to ovulate. So any given person who has normal things happening in their bodies has a 20% chance of getting pregnant every month. And so that's what it allows you to have essentially. So typically they'll do three IUIs because typically you should, if you, if like all the stars align, you should be able to get pregnant within three, but we didn't. So we moved on to IVF. IVF is where they basically get, gather a bunch of eggs because typically on a given month, you'll drop one egg from your ovary into your uterus to be fertilized. And so 
at this point, what they would do is give me a bunch of hormones and drugs to make it. So I had a ton of eggs go into my ovaries and then they go in, extract those. They took another sample of sperm from my husband. Um, they used a process called ICSI where they manually inject a sperm into each egg. And for us, that first time we got nine embryos, um, no, 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 excuse me. The first time we got three, we transferred two the first time failed one, the next time failed, ended up in a miscarriage on an airplane in China. And so that leaves us where I was just feeling like really exhausted emotionally and physically. And at that point, I feel like I finally acknowledged how heavy the weight is that I had been trying to carry on my own. Right. And when, during these treatments, you're getting these hormones and it's making you feel for lack of a better word, crazy, right? I mean, just Mm -hmm. out of whack. Right. Right. Yeah. You just feel honestly horrible. (laughs) Like your hormones are just all over the place. And it's like, you're, you want to control your emotions and you just are saying swear words. And I normally don't say swear words. And I'm like, hello, you know, just like, sorry, people angry. Yeah. Yeah. It's like not a pretty situation. Yeah. So, and Jenica, you are going through it again right now, right? For baby number yeah, three. Yeah. So rewind a little bit. So after the second um, IVF cycle that failed, I ended up writing out our whole story after I got home from China. I was jet lagged. I wrote it, wrote it all out in the middle of the night. And it felt so therapeutic to write it out that I kind of was like, maybe I should share it. And it had never occurred to me at that point, but I'm like, well, I thought I would be pregnant by now, but we're not. So maybe I just shouldn't carry this on my own anymore. So I published on my blog. I was completely blown away by how common infertility is. One in eight couples experience it. I had no idea at the time. I had people finding my blog posts from like different parts of like the world. I have no idea how, but they were like, thank you so much for sharing your experience. I feel so much less alone now. And so through the third round of IVF, we were able to, I was able to share it very publicly through letters to our future child on my blog. And then we did the, everything over again from scratch. We had to do the egg retrieval again, because we had no embryos left and we got nine embryos that time due to some changes that we made in the IVF cycle and a different doctor transferred two, And those are our twins, Harris and Goldie, a boy and a girl. And they're five years old now. Amazing. Okay. Yes. So that, all of that led you to sharing it. And then yes. you became almost like a platform and a voice for people who weren't sharing it and letting them know how common it is. And then yeah. can you tell us just a little bit about the slice of the slice of sun and then also your infertility coaching, like how you yeah. got from that to tear. Yeah. So I really had that, I guess, um, purpose planted in my heart through my own experience. And I just kind of slowly got more involved in the infertility community. I joined a nonprofit and we raised a ton of money to help other couples afford fertility treatments. And then I mean, my husband and I were driving in the car one day and I just had this impression on my heart that I needed to create my own company to help support women with infertility. And I knew it would take a lot of effort, but so I just started with baby steps and I initially thought it would be just products to share. And, um, a portion of every cell will go to women with infertility, which we still have. We have pajamas and socks and sweatshirts right now on the slice of sun.com. They're so cozy. And I, I just like wanted a tangible reminder for people to be able to remember that they're not alone in this experience. And so it started there. And then I discovered life coaching through Jody Moore's podcast. And it's such a good podcast. And it essentially describes the model that I was doing. I just didn't know I was doing it to be able to share with other people. And so it's super simple, honestly, and it can apply to any problem, not just infertility. And I think that obviously it takes practice and it takes, I think sometimes a coach to kind of look what's happening inside your brain. Cause I think when we're in our own brains, it's hard to see what's happening, but the model is your circumstances are neutral. So for me, that would be infertility, which sounds 
ridiculous, but it's, it's like, you know, everyone has different life experiences. So you can argue that maybe some people don't want babies. So if they had infertility, they'd be like, cool, I don't have to worry about preventing pregnancy, you know? So the, so whatever circumstance we're talking about, you know, it's neutral based on the fact that different people can have different opinions on it. Um, something that wouldn't be neutral is like, it's sunny outside. I can look outside. I can prove in court that today is a sunny day. So your circumstances are neutral. You can apply that to any problem you're experiencing or your, or your listeners are experiencing. And then your thoughts about that experience or that circumstance determine how you feel. And then how you feel determines the actions you're taking in your life or the actions you're not taking in your life that you normally would have. And then that determines the result you're getting. So I had been doing this. I thought this thought to myself, it really helped me continue to move forward with peace. And, and I wasn't jealous of my friends who were getting pregnant. I wasn't resentful. And it always came back to the thought that I truly believe that people are here on this earth. Every single person has their trials. And for me, it was that at the time it is that for me now, one of the many trials that I have and that we all experience. And if it wasn't that it'd be something else. And so that always gave me a lot of peace because I wasn't ever looking at people being like, well, why me and not them, you know, cause I'm like, I know that every human is experiencing something really, really difficult. And I also believe that we are given challenges to help us grow and help our spirits progress into the, to the souls that we're supposed to be. And so when I discovered life coaching, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is what I've been doing. I just didn't know I was doing it. Yeah. So long story short, I got certified, graduated earlier this year, and I just launched a coaching program called, called fearless infertility coaching, where I help women with infertility gain freedom and create freedom in their lives in any problem, but specifically infertility and help their emotional and mental health so they can get anything they want in life. Jenica. Oh my gosh. I love that. I mean, you, if you really look at your story, it's like you took something that you were holding internally because you felt like you couldn't talk about it or, you know, it wasn't the right place. And now you've turned this right. into a beautiful community where people are open to sharing. So I love that. And today, um, Jenica's three takeaways for us are really going to go back to this model. I had told her that, you know, I did not myself experience infertility. I know how common it is. And I am surrounded with, you said one in eight. I would definitely say yeah. that of eight friends I have, at least one or two. I, I mean, I feel like it's 50% of the friends I know have experienced infertility. So I have been a silent yeah. cheerleader for those people. But through um, this model and kind of your takeaways, this, like you said, can really apply to any challenge in your life, big or small. So do you want to kick us off right. with the first takeaway? Yeah. Takeaway one is you get to choose your thoughts about your circumstances. And this, I think starts with being very curious and not judgmental about what's happening in your brain. And so taking a look at what's happening from a very curious place and we're all going to have thoughts that we don't like, or we know are getting us the results that we don't want, but it's really fascinating to look at our thoughts and then start questioning them and asking ourselves, is this true? Do I want to believe that this is true? And you can kind of trace it and see what results those are giving you in your life. And that doesn't mean we always want to choose positive thoughts. I think that that's toxic. I think for a long time, I thought that where I was like, nope, I'm going to be happy 99.9% .9 of the time. If I'm not, then I must've done something wrong. And I don't think that's healthy at all. I also think with this, we need to realize that life is 50, 50, and we can see that in evidence everywhere in nature, all around us, there's light and dark, cold and hot. There's opposites in all things. And as human beings, we are the epitome of 
I think what every, what all of their life forces have been patterned after. So why would we be the exception? And so just because we can choose all of our thoughts all the time, does it mean we need to be happy and choose thoughts that make us happy all the time? I think it's important to process through anything that you are going through, but also realize when you have processed through that rather than hiding from it, then you can then choose thoughts that will give you the freedom to get to the place that you want to be in life. Okay. That was so good. We need to unpack that just a little bit. So okay, really threw me off when you said, don't always choose positive because yeah. something that I, I think I pride myself on is that I, I am a positive person. In fact, I do yoga once a week and they always ask for an intention. And I say, my intention is always to be a positive light in the room. Wherever I go, I want people around me to say, you know, I feel better because she's here. Like I'm just uplifting. And to me, that would mean if I'm having a bad day that I mess that and I put my smile on and I still uplift everybody, but not always. Yeah. It's interesting. And I resisted this concept for a really long time. Cause I was like, no, no, I'm going to be the person that's happy all the time. But the problem is, and I'll give you a specific example. So for example, when my twins were born, it was really difficult. I newborn twins is difficult. Any amount of children that's a newborn is a difficult situation. And for me, I wasn't allowing myself the grace to admit that that was difficult and challenging. Mm -hmm. So what I would do instead of being like, you know what, I had a hard day doing a great job, but yeah, I had a hard day. And I want to sit in that feeling of this was hard today. So instead of doing that, like a normal human being should be allowed to do, I would do things, which in the coaching community, we call buffering. So it's essentially anything that you're doing to hide from a feeling or hide from an emotion. So rather than being like, that was a hard day and just sitting in that and being like, and and it's not because I did anything wrong. It's just the fact that this situation's a little challenging. So instead of that, I would like go to my pantry and I eat candy and cover it up and it would, it would work temporarily, feel fine temporarily, but then, you know, it's buffering if it has a net negative effect. So for me, what that caused was feeling crappy about my body, gaining a little bit of weight, beating myself up. And all of a sudden I realized how much energy I was pouring into avoiding the emotion. And I asked myself if I wasn't hiding from this all the time and just running from that negative emotion, which really was compounding itself and actually providing me with a much greater negative experience. Yeah. And what could I use that energy for? Like how, and so that honestly, this is what gave me the motivation to hire a health coach. Cause I'm like, if I could conserve that energy that I'm pouring into not loving my body, then imagine all of the energy and creativity that could be freed up to help these women with infertility. And so I don't think that it's healthy to like sit in it and wallow it and feel bad for yourself. But I do think it's important to acknowledge that life is hard sometimes. And that there's nothing that you did wrong because you're experiencing a hard situation. That, yeah, that makes me think of so many things because I definitely am guilty of that. And I think for me, you can tell me as a coach if, I, if I'm guilty of this, but <laughs> I hold everything in and then I will blow up on my husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's, I feel like it's death by a thousand paper cuts. Like I'll see, oh, he didn't put the dishes away and oh, and then he didn't answer my text or then he forgot to pick the kids up and, and I don't say anything. I'm like, I'll do it. I got it, babe. No problem. Yeah. And then after two weeks, like, I feel like it's like on the nose every two weeks or month, I have some blow up and I'm like, I'm so mad. And he's like, about what? Like, cause I didn't do the dishes. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's the hundred other things you didn't do that. I didn't speak up. Um, right. 
but that's, yeah. That, so I think that's part of me just being like, oh, everything's great. It's fine. And then you got that, that blow up. So I'm probably buffering through my smiles and should probably yeah. those things right away. But totally. you know, one thing you said, and, and I thought of any mom who is listening, who is struggling with fertility, that you were struggling after the twins were born, which any mom does. But, um, I was listening to another, uh, someone else speak on this topic and they had said how they felt they couldn't ask for help because they had gone through this journey and they had tried so hard to get these babies. And then when now they're here, they didn't want to admit that it was hard or that they need help, or maybe they didn't love being a mom as much as they thought. Right. Can you speak to that a little bit? I don't know if that was your situation, but I'm sure you speak to women who are dealing Mm -hmm. with that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that this is probably common for a lot of women because motherhood, I'm sorry. Like I don't, I will argue to the deaths of this. It is difficult <laughs> and I don't care who you are. It's like the fact that you are solely responsible to raise a life is like not a small task. And I just really want to, I, I just, I don't know. It's the strangest thing. And I think for some reason in society, we've had like this almost like this comparison where we don't allow ourselves to feel certain things because there's always somebody else that has it worse. And the reality of it is, is that regardless of how we feel, it doesn't like take away or add to anyone else's life experience. So like, for example, if I am struggling in infertility and admitting that I need help, which I, which is healthy thing to do, it doesn't affect like anyone else, anyone else's mother, motherly experience. And so I just think it's honestly a lot of crap. <laughs> yeah. just like, I'm just like, and, and to be completely honest with you. So I am a Christian. I believe in God. And to be completely honest with you, the way I see it is that I don't believe that our adversary Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call it wants us to connect with one another. And I feel like that's one of his biggest tools is that I, I don't think we're meant to be on this earth alone. And I feel like every single one of us has gifts. And our gifts are different from each other. So we can use our gifts to help one another through certain situations. And I think that the adversary does not want us to remember that. And so he makes up this like random, um, like narrative that we buy into a lot of the time where we're like, we've got to do it alone. We have to be independent. We have to, you know, just like not rely on anybody. And I just feel like that's so toxic because we genuinely need each other and we have different gifts to be able to lift one another up with. Yeah, I, I agree with that so much too. And, and I think with social media, it's been so perpetuated, especially you think of that Instagram life and that, you know, you see this perfect, um, I can't remember which, which influencer it was, but I mean, they were traveling they were doing this and they were doing that and they're with their husband. And then all of a sudden they just got divorced and it was like, oh my gosh, like I thought that your life was perfect. And, you know, I'm sitting here. Oh, actually, I remember who it was. Somebody really big. And and I actually, she had a podcast and I listened to it about her and her husband and all these tips. And I remember thinking like, I wish my husband did that. And then all of a sudden they were divorced. And I'm like, wait a minute, what in the world? So yeah, it's confusing. It's confusing. Social media, yeah, has, has definitely made that worse. Um, oh, yeah. Jenica, what would you say is your t- second takeaway? So the second takeaway really ties into what we just talked about. It's okay to feel negative emotions. And this is going to be one that if you are someone who is super positive, like myself, like you, Tara, this might be really hard to buy into. And I honestly resisted it for months when I heard it. Cause I was just like, this is not how I've been taught to grow up. And it's interesting because 
as I've started to accept it and really see the value in it, because I am able to move through my negative emotion versus hiding from it and, and making all of these other problems for myself, I realize it's actually easier that I'm able to get through it more quickly. And I don't add to my problems in my life. And it's been fascinating too, as I've applied it to motherhood, because like, even just today, for instance, I was driving my kids to school and my son was having kind of a, a little bit of a rough morning. There were a few things that just kind of made him upset. He had had a bad dream last night. And those feelings felt very real to him. And then on the way to school, he was upset about a couple of things. And my daughter said, Harris, you're so whiny today. And I'm like, you know what, Goldie? I'm like, it's okay. I was like, it's okay to feel sad sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, I feel sad sometimes too. Whereas if I didn't, and it's so fascinating too, because there's such a little people that it's so interesting to see them move through that yeah. versus like, if I were to be like, stop, you know, and obviously I'm not perfect. I mean, there's, I mean, there comes a point where you're like, okay, stop whining. Right. <laughs> but in and certain situations, yeah. But there are certain situations where like today I was like, he's fine. Like he's positive. Most of the time he's doing a great job in life, but I'm like, it's okay to feel sad. And I just want them to know that mommy feels sad sometimes too. And then it's so interesting to me to see him as he processes through that, that it's like, he gets over it much quicker. And I think that validating feelings um, I think is so important. And I also feel like the takeaway number two will help people with self-confidence because I believe that the way that we get self-confidence for me is one of two ways. The first is to feel in uncomfortable emotion, but trust yourself that you will move forward and take the action that you know, you want to do to get the results that you want in your life anyway. So, I mean, this could be any, just even little things. Like whenever I go to a new gym class, I'm nervous. I'm like, I don't want to go. Nobody knows me. Like, what if I don't know the moves? It's like awkward. And, you know, we build this up in our head where it's nervous. And then I'm, I'm so proud of myself that I did it because even though I was nervous, I did it anyway. And so I think that really moving through life and doing the things that you want to, regardless of your emotions, sometimes is such a great way to build self-confidence because it's hard and you do it anyway, versus running from it. Yeah. And the second way for me is just obviously knowing is, is knowing that I'm a daughter of God. So for me, both of those things, just remembering who I am, which is completely whole and I'm not lacking anything is a, a great way to build confidence as well. And so I really think it's, it just honestly starts with that takeaway number two, that it's okay to feel negative emotion because you're a human being and that's how you were made. So this is probably such a silly question, but how do you feel a negative emotion? Is that like yeah. sit in your room and you lay in your bed and you think like, what is for somebody yeah. who doesn't know what, like how? Yeah, it's confusing. I, I, I wondered that too. I'm like, okay, I don't, I've been running from it for so long. I don't even know what to do. So okay. it can look differently. I mean, and, and you, it, I mean, I guess like feel through what it is like. So for example, Oftentimes I don't think it necessarily looks any different from the outside. Like if somebody looked at me from the outside, they'd just be like, oh, she's fine. But I think for me, what it comes down to is feeling sad, for instance, like say I'm disappointed about something, something at work didn't go how I wanted it to. I'm bummed out. But I think the main difference for me that I have changed from what, how I used to deal with my negative emotions is I feel it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with me for feeling it. So what I used to do was have this sad feeling. And I would say, oh, Jenica, you've done something wrong. You made a wrong move in the past. You caused this. There's something wrong with you while you're feeling this. Whereas now I'm, I just literally, like, I literally say these things in my mind. I'm like, you're just a human having a sad feeling. And then I just sit in it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with me. I don't think I caused this for myself. I truly believe that I'm supposed to experience the good and the bad. 
And I think that's the main difference for me is just accepting myself and not beating myself up through it, but loving myself through it. So interesting because I, um, in the founder of dreamland baby, and we launched two years ago, actually. And when we first launched, it felt like everything was so, I was so high and I was so low. Like yeah. today, the business was over the next day we were going to be, you know, like it was just so yeah. up and down. And yeah. over the past two years, I have grown and now my team has grown. And as a leader, I really pride myself on staying very even keel. So if there is a crisis happening, which there feels like something daily, right. you know, a lot of my team is very reactive and I will say, let's really look at it. Let's slow down. Let's get all the facts together, you know, and then we'll create a response or we'll, and I mean, these are things like our shipment is a week late and we have a thousand people that pre-ordered that are supposed to get it. It's like, what do we right. do? Yeah. They always remind them we're not solving cancer. We're, we're selling sleep sacks. And yes, for some people <laughs> yeah. it is life-changing. And if they don't get yeah. that back to put their baby to bed, they're going to be angry. Yeah. But I think for me, it's like, it's almost actually the opposite because I feel like I'm almost feeling less, but it's a different, it's like, it's in a different way. But for me, I think it's more just, I have this feeling and I try to like bottle it, contain it, look at what it is. So I am, I guess, really yeah. acknowledging it and then yeah. say, okay, here's a plan to like move forward. Um, I love that. Well, I think that's amazing. Cause you're not, I think what you're really doing, I love that you said bottle it because it's not like you're hiding from it. You're just not internalizing it right. to make it mean something about you. And I think that's like the key there. No, that is okay. That is the key because I, I yeah. remember when we first started, like there was this one day that I, so much of my woes are for inventory, which for people oh, yeah. with bigger problems, it's like, that's not a thing. It doesn't No, happen. It's an issue with the business. It's a big deal. Yeah, it, it is a big deal. But I remember when we first started, like I, something happened and I was in my closet, like on my knees crying and like just devastated. And I did say, this is me. It is my fault. Like it's an attack on me. I'm a failure. Right. And so right. now you're right. I do bottle it and say, this is just something that is a business challenge. And like, we need to overcome it. So yeah. I think so much of what I've learned in my business, I do pull into my personal life as well. Um, but sorry, yeah. side tangent, but I do, I do love that. No, that's amazing. I love that sitting in it. Um, mm -hmm. and I love talking about being more self-confident. Mm -hmm. So if you can get through these, you can feel your negative emotions. You can come out on the, on the other side of it. Are you really feeling more of that self-confidence because you've overcome something and like, or where do you, where does that pull in? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say for me, it's just the fact that I'm like, I'm amazing. <laughs> I felt these awful, horrible, painful feelings. I didn't run from them. And I was able to love myself through it and move forward and not have doubt with myself, but just really still trust in the process of literally just being a human being that I feel confident because I can know and I can accomplish anything, even though I feel all of these awful things. And so it's just that self-confidence and like trusting myself that I'm not going to beat myself up through it. Yeah. And I, I don't love this quote, the one that says like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but it, it is really true. Like if you can yeah. through it, then you, anybody I think who has gone through infertility or other major life struggles, they come out of that. So transformed, like the level of empathy and just understanding of other people. Um, yeah. it's huge. So yeah, yeah I, I love, I love that point as well. Um, Jenica, what, what is your third takeaway? The third takeaway is to be very curious about the thoughts you're thinking about your trials and whether they are serving you or not. 
And so like, for example, specifically in infertility, I'll see a lot of people think the thought, like, why me? Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that, and here's the thing I want to validate that because it is confusing. Like it's a real question. Like, why am I going through this? Um, but I also think that there are certain thoughts that keep you in a victim mindset. And I just don't think that any of us are powerless. I think all of us have these incredible brains that are more powerful than we think they are. And so I think that being a victim is just not going to get us anything that we want in life. I think acknowledging the fact that we're going through a hard time is fine. But the fact that, um, I think a lot of thoughts lead us to giving our power away completely is just not going to serve us. And so I would, um, I guess, suggest to people if they are interested in kind of learning how to do that is just be very curious and just say like, how do I feel when I think this thought? And is that a thought that I want to hold on to in the long run? Or is that a thought that I would like to let go and replace it with something that makes me feel a little bit more empowered? And also something to know about thoughts is our brains are really, really smart and they'll automate things for us. And so, which is amazing. I mean, there's so many things that our brains do that we don't even have to ask them to, to help with our bodies. I mean, we breathe our heartbeats, like our liver and our kidneys function. I mean, it's just unbelievable, honestly. And our brains do that with our thoughts as well. So when there are certain thoughts, we've thought so many times our brains like, okay, you know what? I've got this for you. I know this is what you want to do. I'm just going to automate it for you. And so there are certain thoughts that have become beliefs because we've thought them so much. They just seem like truth to us. And so for me, like, for example, one of the things that my health coach had asked me after I've been working with her for a couple of months is she's like, Jenica, she's like, you, you keep telling me you need to lose five pounds. She's like, do you think that that is true? And I was like, I just literally thought it was a fact. I was like, I'm well, you know, I was kind of like stuttered on my words. I'm like, uh, and that, that simple question has honestly changed my life because I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't have to believe that that's true. And I think that there are so many limiting beliefs that are holding us back that we just see as truth. And so I think asking ourselves, like, do I actually believe that that's true? And if I do, is it necessary? Because honestly, everything's literally made up everything's made up the good things, the good thoughts, the bad thoughts, they're all just made up. There are certain thoughts that I believe are true that I literally don't care if a single other soul on the planet believes are true because they're serving me so well and they're making, they're creating a life that I love. And so I just think being curious about the truths that you've held on for so long is important. And then kind of rewiring your brain a little bit where, when your brain offers you the thought, don't get mad at yourself. Don't beat yourself up over it. Our, your brain's just doing its job, but just say, you know what? Thank you so much brain. I appreciate you for trying to automate that for me, but that's not the thought I want to hold on to anymore. And just letting that go gently to replace it with something that feels a little bit better for you. Okay. I love this so much because I wholeheartedly believe perception is reality. Yeah. If you <laughs> perceive yourself to be the greatest person ever, you're the greatest person ever. If you perceive yourself to be less than you are less than, I mean, you, you are what you think of and you are your thoughts. I love this idea though, of automating our brain or that our brain does automate because as you say, I'm like, well, yeah, obviously, but I don't think most people would think about it in, in this way of, if we have these thoughts every day, we become these thoughts and Mm -hmm. like the five pounds, same thing. I mean, I think everyone is like, Oh, just those last five pounds. But it's like, yeah. what, what is those last five pounds? Is that even true? And we rewire our brain. Jenica, do you do anything like um, positive self-talk or, you know, somebody to say, okay, but how do I rewire my brain? I've been thinking I need to lose five pounds for 10 years. How do I change that? Yeah. 
That's a great question. So for me, it all starts with my morning. I call it my morning mindset magic checklist, and you can download it for free on my website, but it's these seven things that I do every morning that I've really curated over the last two years, being very curious about certain actions or inactions that I was doing in my morning to set the tone. So, I mean, there are things like physically removing myself from my bed and moving into my office to do my scripture study and connect with God first thing before looking at my phone, because I don't like to gamble. And I think looking at your phone first thing in the morning is gambling because you have no idea what you're going to see. Um, so anyway, there's seven little things I do every morning. I feel like that's the foundation for me and then approaching. So like, I'm a human, like I'm, I'm continuously till the day that I die going to make mistakes. I'm not going to live perfectly, even though I know better. And so I think for me, the main thing that helps is to be curious versus judgmental. And so, so even like this week, for instance, I've been working on saying no more and really honoring my calendar because I, I mean, there's lots of good things that people ask me to do or want to me to share. And I would love to support them, but I have been more conscious about saying no. And a couple of times this week, I said, yes, where I was like, oh man, like now, you know, I'm saying yes to them, but I'm really saying no to me and what I want to accomplish in life. And, but instead of like beating myself up for that, like I would have done in the past, I'm like, I'm just very curious about it. I'm like, oh, okay. So I said yes here, which had a trickle effect here. And this is what it's causing for me. So then I'm very curious about it. And I'm like, okay, that's good to know. Note to self, I'm not going to do that next time. And so I think that's the key is just being curious about what's happening in your life, because that's going to get you so much further. I don't think you're ever going to get anywhere in life by hating yourself to it. I think that it always comes from that feeling of acceptance and love for yourself that drives those results that you want. I love that a morning routine. I I, I don't know if this has always been a popular concept or I've just heard about it in the last two years, but it, it is everywhere. And it is like, if you are a high performing person or even really a anybody person, you Mm -hmm. you need to have a solid morning routine. That is the same every day that works for you. It can be different. Like I cannot wait to check out your morning magic checklist. Cause I'm sure (laughs) all of it. But for me, it's the same thing. I actually start my morning with my scripture study as well, because I used to do it at night and every night I was too tired and yeah. I just before, and it's the same thing. And I sit at my desk and I'm like creeping toward my computer and like, no, shut it. Like, yes, every morning. Yes. 10 or 15 <laughs> minutes. Um, and then I have like a morning tea that I make. I have my big jug of water. I have this morning, like green shot that I take and it mm-hmm. just it sets me up for success for my day. And if I miss yeah. those pieces, then it's, I'm like off in the morning. So I love, 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 love that idea of a morning routine. And some people it's like working out, it's, it's driving kids school, like whatever it is, um, find something that is your morning routine. And I love that that is the first step in rewiring your brain. Have you ever done the other thing that I feel like is super popular is, um, positive affirmations where you Mm -hmm. kind of look in the mirror and you're like, Tara, you're great. Tara, you're kind. Like, is that, it feels cheesy. I've never really Mm -hmm. done it. I've heard a lot about it. Where, where does that sit for you? Um, okay. So I don't do that personally. It feels a little too cheesy for me. I I don't feel like I get anywhere with that, but I totally acknowledge that some people love it. So the way that I have tailored that for me though, is instead of like saying those affirmations, I ask myself the question, like, like, for example, like Jenica, 10 years from now, I have like these certain goals with helping women with infertility, with building this company that will allow them to be empowered through And there is a gap between who I am right now and who that woman is 10 years from now. And so I I constantly am asking myself, 
what would that Jenica do? Would she be doing the things that I'm doing today? And I try to be her now to close that gap, to get to those accomplishments or those next steps more quickly. And so that's, that's helped for me in terms of like affirmations that I just visualize, like who, who is she? I, oh my gosh, I love that. Like I, I'm on such the same wavelength with this all too. I do the same thing. And sometimes I'll actually think like when I'm having a bad day, I will think about myself two or three or four years ago when I, when I, when I started this business and I had no idea what I was doing and to see what I'm doing, I'm like that version of you would like go girl. Are you kidding? Yes. I love that. Like now. Yeah. Like cheer yourself on. So definitely I'm having a bad day too. I'm so Um, glad you mentioned that because I think that's so important to celebrate the accomplishments. I actually, I wasn't very good at doing that, but I had one of my business coaches. She, I don't work with her anymore, but she messaged me and she said it was, I feel like it was like one of those God moments where like I was struggling internally being like, Oh, I have so far to go. And then she reached out to me and, and just reminded me of where I was a year ago. And I was, it was like, like a whiplash. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, and then I, and then I completely changed that mindset where I'm like, I, I would be so proud of myself. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah, no, it's, you know, I think I, everything for me, I feel like I'm looking through the lens of the business. Cause I am in this high growth startup business at the moment, mm-hmm. but for the mom who is, doesn't work or is focusing on something like infertility, it is so important to, to look back at yourself three months, six months, a year ago. I mean, so much can change in just a year and say that older version of me will look at the version of me today and just be so freaking proud. And that yeah. I think whenever you're having a bad day, like that is such an uplifting, uh, uplifting piece to, to kind of hold on to. Jennifer, yeah. I feel like I could talk to you all day. You are amazing. Same. I love that you're doing this coaching. I, like I said at the beginning, I follow you on Instagram. You are just such a light. I love how much you enjoy motherhood and you enjoy your husband, Tyler. And you guys are just like amazing people. If you want to be uplifted, definitely follow Jenica. But before, before I ask you where everybody can find you, we need to do our fire round. So are you ready? I'm ready. Yes. Okay. What are you currently binging on TV? Oh my gosh. I'm embarrassed to admit this. I am binging Netflix on Netflix. It is called vampire diaries. It's like, I I'm just like a teenager apparently, but I just love it. I love it. I can't stop. Okay. I, I I've heard of that. It's an old one though, right? Vampire diaries. Yeah. It's totally old. Nobody watched it. Nobody. I'm not encouraging other people to watch it. Just so everyone knows. <laughs> okay. Nobody, nobody watched that. Um, what's your most recent, um, book that you read? Um, okay. So I love reading like just dumb fiction before bed because I can't, I can't read business books before bed. Cause I get my mind going and I get so excited about everything. So I wouldn't recommend this. I'm not, it's just like a, like a, just a dumb fiction one, but what I would recommend reading is a good book that I loved. It's called thirst. It is so good. And it's actually, it's not, it's nonfiction. So it's about this guy who really had a struggling life for a while. He was like a club promoter in New York and it was like drugs and alcohol and just really, really not living to his full potential. And then he ended up starting this nonprofit. I can't remember what it's called, but he basically like digs whales in third world countries for people. So they don't have to walk miles to get fresh water. And it is so inspiring and so entertaining. I recommend it to everybody. Amazing. Okay. Thirst. Um, what is your best productivity app? Something on your phone. Oh, that's a good question. I, I would just say, honestly, like, um, my calendar, my Google calendar, I, I like, I'm very meticulous about, uh, calorie calendaring everything. And so just my Google calendar, I put it all in there. And when it pops up, I get it done. 
It's always a go-to. Um, what about, what's your go-to de-stressor? I love a warm bath with like the bath salts and I prop up my computer sometimes near my bath. And then I watch vampire diaries. It kind of stresses me out though. Like there's like things that happen in the show and I'm like, I am not, I'm not distressed anymore. Cause it's like dramatic. And these, these people are like dying and I'm like, you're my friends. So it feels like very traumatic for me, you know? Oh my gosh, Jenica, that's amazing. Um, okay. Where can everybody find you? Okay. So my infertility account is the slice of sun dot infertility. And my personal account is Jenica Parcel. So J E N I C A P A R C E L L. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. It was so great to talk with you.